Hello, and welcome back to another episode of DW Fast Track, a podcast where lawyers discuss all things legal, admissible, and trending. I'm your host, Jeffrey Melcher, a member in Dickinson Wright's Nashville office. In this episode, I'll be breaking down nuclear verdicts and what we can do to stem the tide. Hello again, this is Jeff Melcher. I'm a member of Dickinson Wright's Nashville office. I have 35 years of experience representing corporations who are suing and are being sued in commercial litigation, liability defense, and all aspects thereof. I'm a graduate of Vanderbilt University and Wake Forest University School of Law, and I'm admitted in practice in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina. What we're going to be talking about what have been called runaway verdicts or nuclear verdicts. And that's basically what many would consider to be an obscene amount of money for what is normally viewed as a tragic occurrence or unfortunate occurrence. But the numbers no longer seem very tied to reality. And the first time I I really stopped to consider this was uh, last year when a Gwinnett County jury here in Georgia awarded a $1.7 billion verdict Think about that sum, $1.7 billion. I never thought I would see something like that on a what's basically a personal injury or wrongful death claim. And I understand that the value of one's life and the deterrence to a corporation can both be significant. But what we're talking about here is something that no one ever anticipated, I don't think. And it shows the growing disparity between the plaintiff's bar and the defense bar. And I think that's the, the bigger issue as far as, you know, the thrust of what we're going to talk about today. Having kind of grown up in the defense bar, recognizing for decades there were lions of that bar, recognizing that many plaintiff's attorneys, you know, perhaps did not have those reputations, they certainly do now. I take nothing away from the current generation of plaintiff's attorneys and their, uh, their ability to represent their clients very well. And in fact, I think you're seeing a, a, a change, a sea change in who goes into what. Many, many of my good friends who were very well known in the defense community now practice on the plaintiff side and enjoy it. They're doing very well and you know, congratulations to them. But what can we really do here? Is it just a, a situation that'll continue to grow worse, will continue to bleed talent? I don't think so. I think that this is a situation where we don't necessarily need to say, well, the last you know, great defense attorney, please turn out the lights on your way out the door. I, I don't think so. I think that we can kind of take the plaintiff's playbook and, and try to do some things that are just rational. What are those? Well, as I've said before in some of my articles and publications, we have very good clients. We, we have clients that care that are very professional. What The biggest difference is there is a lot of competition between and amongst defense firms for business. And I have seen it repeatedly over the years where firm A has represented insurance carrier or corporation B for years, and all of a sudden they're not doing the work anymore, or the attorneys that were at that firm are gone. Most of the time to the plaintiff side are just retiring because of the stress. And the stress is due to, you know, let's face it, billing rates, uh, auditing, pressure on attorneys. That doesn't help keep people at their desk for decades, and and you lose that experience. And and in return, what you get are attorneys who are willing to do the work potentially for less money, push it down to associates, and we see the effects of that. We also see COVID and the huge numbers that have been trotted out in terms of 
COVID relief, trillions for this and billions for this and Ukraine relief. And the public becomes desensitized to these big numbers. And it doesn't take many of these before, as you can imagine, a company has serious financial problems. So again, going back to what we can do to stem that. First, we have to be way more organized as a bar. There are some very good organizations on the defense side, many of which I'm, I'm members of, DRI, CLM, IADC, et cetera. However, we mostly talk about the fact that we need to do stuff. We don't really have the ability or energy yet to do something about it. Meanwhile, the plaintiff's bar is highly organized. They have websites, they share ideas, they have breakfast, trot each other's victories out. It's amazing, considering how many of them there are, that you know they all continue to do fairly well, sometimes extremely well. And on the defense side, it's it's the opposite. You know, I'm having rate issues. My firm wants me to raise rates. Clients don't. And I say this to the corporations and carriers. I, I don't think that the attorneys are trying to raise their billable rates to be you know in any way annoying. It's it's inflation. It's everything else. And you'll keep good attorneys on that side. You'll keep good attorneys on that side if you understand that they're doing their best they may not be able to respond within you know an hour or 24 hours we have to be more collective and more focused in that approach and 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 deal with the fact that the public is seeing eye popping numbers they saw all the covid relief they believe that you know to a degree uh, they're entitled to some of it and when they sit on a jury they they award those large verdicts and we don't see this anymore in just urban areas. We see it all over places. You know, Gwinnett County, Georgia, it's not exactly Fulton County, Georgia. It's metropolitan. But there are plenty of rural areas of, of Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama that have, you know, been hitting with these large verdicts. So no, no place is safe. You know, I get asked all the time, well, isn't Georgia this or isn't Tennessee that? Well, not anymore. And look how blue some of these states become in elections. You just have to be aware of the fact that the one thing you don't want is a huge verdict against you. There are things you can do. It begins with who you who are you hiring? Are you hiring panel counsel only if you're an insurance carrier? When was the last time you did an RFP if you're a, um, a corporation? I, I mean, I can tell you I've gotten very good results for clients over the years. And the, the next question I was asked is, are you going to raise your rates? And you're almost looking at it inversely. Like, don't you think I should raise the rates? You know, we're trying to keep up with inflation. We're trying to keep our associates employed. They did a good job for you. I was recently at a trucking convention where the president of the of, of IADC was begging companies, carriers to, you know, keep that in mind when they're hiring counsel. But we, we see a lot of the time is, you know, who can do it for the least amount of dollars per hour? We want to see more associates here. We want to see more par paralegals there. And that, you know, plays into the hands of, uh, of the plaintiff's bar, which it, it astounds me how much uh, time and energy they can throw at a lot of these files. So, Bear that in mind when you're selecting counsel and, and understand that everything we do has an effect. If, if you trot out there for a um, trial and you, you get hit, it, it only makes the matters overall worse. Now, it doesn't mean don't try cases. That's the, that's the other thing. Try the cases. When your attorneys say try the case, try the case. You trust it enough to hire them. You trust enough to have them try it. And then we get to the problem of parachuting attorneys, the attorneys who, you know, basically say, I'll come in and save the day. Well, I'd love to see statistics on, on how often that works, because it doesn't seem to work very well in, in my experience. Uh, in my experience, it's a high settlement, higher than, you know, probably we, 
we could have had if we you know were a little bit more aggressive. Very often, huge huge numbers if if the case goes to verdict. But those attorneys are known for their willingness to parachute in. It, I mean, it takes a certain disposition to do that. I recognize that. I'm not saying they're not good attorneys, but if the results were there, I think everyone would do it every time. And I think it's very often it's just a panic move or if somebody was sold on this. And I understand, you know, the stakes are very high, but uh, again, that kind of goes back to who, who you're hiring in the beginning, why you're hiring them. You, are you hiring them on a panel because they promised you a rate? Are they hiring you because you can do the job? That Those are two different inquiries. Along with this, these conditions, we, we have bad faith now, which is um, basically on almost every case where a bad faith statute applies, carriers, companies can get hit with attorney's fees and penalties for not accepting a settlement offer that was made in a particular way. You have to hire attorneys who are going to be aware of that, who are, who are aware of what the, the rules are. And you know, at the same time, you have to follow the attorney's advice. If the attorney says, well, they just demanded a million dollars on $10,000 in, in actual damages, they think they're going to you know, bust the policy limits. I do or I don't think that that's going to happen here. And then litigate the case that way and appeal to the judge or the appellate courts down the road if, if there is an attempt, which there almost always is, to hit on top of that high verdict. So understand what the landscape is at the time that you're hiring counsel. Understand counsel needs to understand, the defense bar needs to understand that we need to work cooperatively. I'm pessimistic that that can happen because of, again, the, the constant competition among defense firms or firms that do a lot of uh, litigation defense or bet the cor corporation sort of work. But we'll continue to see these verdicts and they'll probably get higher before they get lower, especially if we don't have a more coordinated approach. To say that there's nothing we can do is not the case. To say that it will be difficult to do is the case. You're, you're going to have to, if you're a corporation or, an, or a carrier, you're going to have to seriously think about why you're hiring particular firms, who actually is making up the teams on those cases. I mean, is it a partner in name only on the file? Will the partner ever actually do the work? Are you going to let the partner and an associate do the work? You know, when corporations hire uh, firms directly, are you giving them the resources they need? If they say, try it, you know, be willing to try it. Are you willing to do that? Every time you settle, you know, it gets out into the populace. I don't care if there's a confidentiality agreement or not. They're going to be trumpeting on their websites. You know, we hit such and such type of client for this sort of settlement. It, it gets out there. So understand that many attorneys such as myself, we're trying to do things professionally and ethically and keep our clients at the forefront. But the, the advice that we're giving isn't, isn't meant to run up fees or something like that. And understand that when we're fighting with the other side or something like that, 99 times out of 100, there's a more than legitimate need to, to fight with the other side. And don't, under, don't believe that you know this is some sort of technique for fees or something like that. You're a team, just like the plaintiffs and their corporations or their individual plaintiff, plaintiffs are, are teams as well. Again, I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of these attorneys and I know how they approach things. And it's, it's, it's not a um, bad way to do business, to you know, team up, team up with other 
with other firms to the extent that you can. Don't be afraid to work within your own firm and say, you know, does anyone have expertise in this regard? I've, I, you know, th- I've even seen reluctance within a law firm to do that because there is internal competition for this sort of work as well, the, the non-plaintiff sort of work. Understand the the danger of selecting based on price. Understand the danger that comes with not soliciting information and cooperation. Understand the danger that comes in not taking the plaintiff's bar seriously. Understand that when someone else is willing to come into a case that may do any number of things, upset the judge, give the other side false hope that they can ratchet up the the settlement demand or the pressure because they see you cracking sort of thing. Everything has, every, every cause has an effect. Every, every act has a consequence. And, you know, at this stage of my career, I'm, I'm okay just saying, you know, we're going to try to do this the right way. And we're going to try to give the client what the client needs and understand what the client wants, but that that may not be working quite as well as it did when so-and-so was practicing on the other side and maybe so-and-so wasn't as good or didn't have the resources or the connections. That's not the case anymore. I guess what I'm advocating here or suggesting is that the defense bar try to reinvent itself and that the corporations that are relying on attorneys such as myself understand that everyone needs to make a living and pay their bills. And it may just not be the best thing at the end of the year when your lit spend is you know, 25% less than it was budgeted. Maybe, maybe that works for one year, maybe it works for two years, but it may not work in year three. And you don't want to be the one that gets popped for that perhaps unnecessarily large figure or becomes known as some corporations have as somewhat soft on settlement. Everything has that sort of um, cause and effect. And there are attorneys such as Myself and the attorneys at my firm, I think that, that recognize that, you know, we're going to try to do as good a job for the client as possible and try to be as coordinated as possible and not push stuff off that is perhaps better done by a partner or an associate as opposed to a paralegal, that sort of thing. You know, we're, we're going to try our best here and we're going to try to be coordinated and we're going to try to be intentional as, as the word is. So in closing... There are, there are variables out there now that just didn't exist before. More coordinated approach among the plaintiff's bar, more competition, unfortunately, internally and externally in the defense bar, litigation funding, which I haven't mentioned before, but goodness knows that plays a role now because it used to be you could um, you work the other side to death. I, I know there's a, a firm in Atlanta that was famous for papering the other side to death. Well, between computer and AI and uh, coordinated approaches and litigation funding. Guess what? That that approach doesn't work very well anymore. And the judges became sensitive to that too, and and they they don't want to really hear about it as well. So you have to be effective. You can't just be, as as I indicated, just papering the other side to death. You you have to try and do it with some thought and the experience that comes with attorneys who've been in in the practice for a number of years. And those attorneys sometimes are fewer and far between. I know a lot of my colleagues from law school, you know, aren't necessarily practicing law anymore. And there's, there are reasons for that. And I think we all need to be cognizant uh, of what those reasons are. And our clients need to be cognizant of it as well. The, the plaintiff's bar certainly is. So um, 
I don't, I'm not despondent about this situation at all because litigation goes on. It's just something that we need to be aware of, but we also need to be aware when we march into court and get hit that those figures desensitize and further desensitize. And we also need to be aware that when our government throws money or puts money toward something and it's in a huge amount, it further desensitizes everyone to what, it, what has become uh, a nuclear verdict or an excessive verdict or a runaway verdict or whatever you want to call it. They're not really runaway anymore because we understand or we should be understanding what's causing them. We should be trying to, to work better to, to prevent that. So, you know, we need a more coordinated approach. We need more sensitivity to what the attorneys actually have to bill. Um, we need to value internal and external cooperation just as the plaintiff's bar does. We need to be wary of attorneys who are potentially coming into a, a situation and, and perhaps have their own motivations. And we also need to be aware of the fact that the situation will probably not get better for a while. It'll probably get worse for a while. And, and there, therefore, we need to kind of steer away from picking and selecting counsel without regard as much to experience and ability to get the case from A to Z as, a, as opposed to, you know, spending money or not spending money. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to contact me or anyone else at the firm, and we'd be happy to help. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of DW Fast Track. For more information, visit our website at www.dickinsonwright.com or check out our social media channels.